Have you heard about Stephen Krashen's comprehensible input hypothesis? If you've heard about CI or use it in your classroom, then you know exactly what it is. Today, I want to take this a step further and look at making that input compelling or of particular interest to students. Not only that, but what about making the output or how students use the language equally compelling or of specific interest to them? We're essentially talking about ways to motivate students, and we can always use some suggestions for that. So let's jump in. Are you a language teacher looking for some reassurance that what you're doing in the classroom is on the right track? Or maybe you're looking for some ways to teach even more effectively. If you're one or the other or somewhere in between, you've landed in the right place. This is the World Language Classroom Podcast with your host, me, Joshua Cabral. You're about to get tips, tools, and resources so that your students continue to rise in proficiency and communicate with confidence. Let's jump in. Vamos, allons-y. Hello, my friends. Bonjour, mes amis. Hola, mis amigos. Welcome to the World Language Classroom Podcast. I am Joshua Cabral, and thank you, as always, for taking the time out of your week to hang out with me, to talk about language teaching, to hear what other teachers are doing, to think about what you're doing in your classroom. It's what makes you an incredible educator. So thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule to do this sort of PD on the side. So let's jump into this topic today. And we're going to start by looking at Stephen Krashen and his idea of comprehensible input. So right now, it is definitely one of the buzzwords out there in language teaching, this idea of comprehensible input. And it's all based on Stephen Krashen's comprehensible input hypothesis, which is a, a bigger hypothesis than just making language comprehensible. But that's the part that we tend to stick to when we're talking about CI in the classroom. So that's what we're going to talk about. But we're going to take it a little further, and yes, we want to make sure we understand what CI is as a starting point. But then we're going to look at this idea of it doesn't just have to be language that students understand to begin to acquire it, but they have to want to listen to it. They have to want to read it. It has to be interesting to them. If it's not interesting, then they're not going to want to pay attention to it and then therefore make meaning of it and then start that whole acquisition process. And then I want to flip that and look at this new way of kind of looking at language teaching and this idea of not just making the input compelling, which is actually one of Krashen's theories, his compelling input hypothesis, but I want to look at sort of the other end of it and making output compelling as well, meaning, yes, students are understanding the language and they're interested in the language and the content that we're providing to them, but then are we giving them compelling and interesting ways of using the language and producing the language and the output? So we don't want to just leave that interesting part to when they're listening to the language, but then actually giving them interesting ways to use the language. A lot of this comes down to just simply looking at motivation and how we are motivating our students to want to engage with the language because that's how we help to foster that language acquisition process. 
So let's start by making sure that we have our solid understanding, like I like to always do before diving too deep to make sure we're all at the same starting point. Let's start by looking at Stephen Krashen's idea of this comprehensible input hypothesis. So essentially, what this comes down to is the idea that language acquisition, so we're not talking about language learning, where you're learning about the language, but subconsciously acquiring the structures and the rules and the vocabulary. So language acquisition occurs when learners are exposed to messages, language, that are slightly above their current level of language competence or proficiency, but that can still be understood with the help of contextual clues. That's what we refer to as I plus one. So I is our student's current level of proficiency, like a total understanding of the language at that level. And then plus one is giving them language that's above that proficiency level that's helping to push their proficiency. So that's really what a lot of the comprehensible input hypothesis is built on. It's providing students with language that is slightly above their current level of understanding or proficiency, and they're able to use clues of what they do understand to make sense of that language, and that's what helps to grow them in proficiency. So Krashen goes on to say that this input that we're providing, whether it's listening comprehension or reading comprehension, this input should be delivered in a low anxiety and low pressure environment where the focus is on understanding and communication rather than accuracy and correction. He actually refers to this as the affective filter if you kind of look in the literature, but it's just creating this environment that's low anxiety and low pressure. And that's how learners are going to acquire language subconsciously through their own natural learning abilities rather than, say, looking at direct instruction or or explicit grammar rules. So a lot of this is happening subconsciously, and that happens much more effectively when it's a low anxiety situation, a no pressure situation, and it's I plus one, so it's slightly above their current level of proficiency, and not I plus 10, where it's really far above, and that's going to be really anxiety ridden for students. So also, according to Krashen, the acquisition of formal grammar rules is not necessary for developing communicative competence in a second language. That's not to say that there doesn't have to be a certain level of accuracy to make themselves understood. That certainly is the case. But looking at this idea that formal grammar rules are not necessary for that communicative competence to be developed in students. And we can get into the grammar question in many different ways, but this episode we're really just looking at the idea of providing language to students that is comprehensible so they can make meaning of it and build some rules subconsciously. So comprehensible input can be delivered through a variety of means and ways, such as listening to native speakers, reading books, watching movies or TV shows, or engaging in you know, any kind of conversation with a more proficient speaker. So there's lots of ways of providing that input in comprehensible ways to students. So Krashen takes it further, and he has his comprehensible input hypothesis that we just looked at, but then he took it further by talking about his compelling input hypothesis. So this is claiming that learners are more likely to acquire language when they're exposed to messages that are interesting and engaging to them, and they're actually personally relevant to them, rather than it just being something that we think would be of interest, or it's 
rich with a particular structure that we want them to acquire. And so we expose them to that a lot through listening and reading. But it happens to be a text that's of no interest to them. It's on a topic that they're not interested in learning about. They don't want to make meaning of it. So essentially, we're looking at the fact that students acquire language when they understand it, they can make meaning of it. And that's when the rules are subconsciously happening in their mind brain. But they're not going to be paying as much attention to those rules if it's a topic they're not interested in. So that's essentially what the compelling input hypothesis comes down to. So this idea of compelling input, it captures the learner's attention and then it motivates them to engage with the language, which can lead to more effective language acquisition because they want to make meaning. They want to figure out what that plus one is and they need to tend to that in in order to make meaning of it, but it's something they want to understand. And the content of the input should be challenging for students, but still comprehensible so that learners can continue to make progress in their own language development. So in the end, they're going to be learning even some content as they're tending to these messages, but they're also going to be subconsciously creating these rules and acquiring the language as well. So now I want to give you five specific suggestions for providing compelling input, and then we'll look at five for compelling output as well. But as we're looking at these ideas for making the input of interest to students, we have to keep in mind that it also has to be, or the assumptions being made, that it's also comprehensible input. That the whole purpose of this is that it's language that students are able to make meaning of so that they can grow in language proficiency. So we're looking at making compelling, but don't forget that it also needs to be at their proficiency level plus a little bit more. So the idea is, yes, compelling, but also keep in mind that it is comprehensible input. So number one would be to incorporate authentic materials, such as articles from a website or a podcast or a video, whether it's a music video or something from a TV show. All of these things look different than just photocopying a story or a paragraph or an article like that and students read it on this piece of paper. That when it takes on a different form, it looks more interesting. The topics can be a little more interesting for students because they're being talked about on a podcast or they're seeing it on a TV show. And it's making a little more interesting and perhaps even more relevant to the students because that's sort of how they engage with the world around them. So it's not necessarily, in this case, the content that's compelling, but it's the format of the content that would be of interest to students, that it looks like a social media post or something like that, because that's something that would be of interest to them that they would pay attention to. And you can find these types of things in the target language culture, which is also going to bring in some authentic resources, and students will be exposed to some cultural elements that will be a part of that conversation comprehensible input. So again, it's not necessarily the content here, but it's the form and presentation of the content that doesn't look like the same old, same old thing that happens when they're looking at a photocopy of something that the format is intriguing and compelling to them. And then number two, I would say 
keep your eyes open and your ears open for the movies, the TV shows, the books, all the things that students might be talking about. What are the movies they're all saying that they're going to the movie theater to see? Or what are the new TV shows that they're watching on their streaming services? What are they binging these days? What new book series are they talking about? Or what are they reading in one of their classes that everyone seems to enjoy? What games are they playing, whether they're video games or other kind of games? What sports teams are they on? What are they talking about in terms of games or sports events that might be coming up? Are they musicians? Do you have students playing instruments? Do they have a concert coming up, a performance of some sort? Or is there some artistic event or a theatrical production or they're creating something in art like listen to what's going on in their lives and the topics that they're talking about and then try to find those authentic resources and those opportunities to listen and read about those topics that they are talking about and the older I get and the more time I spend in the classroom the more I realize that what I think is going to be interesting is not necessarily the most interesting so it's best to keep an ear out for what students are talking about and what they're doing to figure out those topics that they would want to talk about. So just listen to the the idea of what movies are they talking about, TV shows or books or games, and then sort of, I like to say, leverage that in the classroom. So number three is a little bit about finding about their interests, but it's the idea of using an exit ticket to figure out what interests are. So you can have students as they are leaving the class, you could just have them on a slip of paper or even tell you what is a movie that they've seen recently that they really like or what is coming up in school over the next couple of weeks so that you can start to find those topics in different reading or videos that you can use in the classroom because you know that those are the things that students are interested in. A fourth thing is to focus on really truly meaningful communication instead of grammar rules because there aren't a lot of students that want to focus on grammar rules. So research has shown, I like to say research has shown, that language acquisition is more effective when students are focused on meaning rather than the language forms, rather than the different structures. When you have students engaging with the language, to not focus so much on the structures of it, but on making meaning. And if you decide to use the text to do something like a pace model after the fact, that's an excellent way to use a text. But initially to make sure that the focus is on the meaning so that students don't feel like, oh, great, yes, we're going to talk about this, but what we're going to end up doing is talking about verb conjugations. But I really want to talk about is why I like this movie. You know, so just to make sure that initially when you're engaging in those conversations and students are listening or reading something, that it truly is about the meaning and not sort of a side door entrance into a grammar lesson. Because students are very attuned to when things like that happen. So a quick recap of those suggestions for making the input compelling. The first one is to look at the format. So before we even look at the content of what's in there to be compelling to students, it's the format, that it doesn't look like the same type of photocopy of a story that they're looking at on their desk, that it could look different. They're listening to a podcast. They're looking at something on a news site or a video from a TV show or a music video, just something that is 
out of the ordinary in terms of format is already going to be something that's intriguing for students. The number two was to listen to what they're talking about, about books and games and sports and music, and to tailor your content that you're finding for listening and reading to those topics that you're hearing students talk about. And number three was to use an exit ticket to ask students specifically what those things are so that you have them and you can refer to them. And then the fourth thing was to focus on truly making meaning and not the grammar rules when you're initially using a text for comprehensible input and to make it compelling for students because, again, they can see when you're going to make this a grammar lesson and they're not going to be into that so much than if they think that it really is about communicating and using the language. And then the fifth suggestion, making sure that it's at their proficiency level, that it's very motivating to be able to reach a point of understanding and being able to do something with the language rather than feeling like it's not even attainable and that's very demotivating to students. And now let's look at five suggestions for providing opportunities for compelling output. So those are previous suggestions were for making the input of interest to students, but now the output, now students, how they're using the language. We want to make sure that they are actually interested in using the language that way and not just complying with what you're expecting them to do. Again, all about motivation. So the first suggestion would be to provide students with opportunities to use the language in authentic situations, such as role-playing scenarios, mock interviews, real life simulations, and not just memorizing and writing these dialogues that are about going to a restaurant or booking an airline flight. I don't know, all these random topics come up in the language class all the time. But we want to make sure that those authentic opportunities are things that really happen in their lives, because this will give them a sense of purpose and motivation to use the language in meaningful ways. And this goes back to what we were looking at earlier with the compelling input, those topics that are of interest to them, when it comes to output, make sure that they are talking about and using topics of interest to them when they're writing or speaking or engaging with the language in any way so that that output, they are excited to use it because it's a topic that they like. So the second thing I would suggest here is to give students choice and, I guess, autonomy in their learning by allowing them to select their own topics. Say you're doing a project or having a discussion about something, that it's not going to be everyone's going to talk about this topic. Yes, maybe if you're reading something and you're reading a chapter in a book and you're all sort of talking about that particular chapter, but give them a different lens on it that not everyone's having the same conversation. Like some students might want to talk about characters. Some students might want to talk about setting. Some students might talk about whether or not they liked it. So there are different ways of going about the same reading, but give them the choice in there when it comes to any kind of discussion or writing or topics, because this will increase their engagement and their interest in the language, because it's something that they want to talk about. It's of interest to them. And so the third way I will suggest for using compelling output or providing opportunities for compelling output is to 
Give students feedback that is very specific and actionable and focuses on both form and meaning because this this is what's going to help students to improve their language proficiency and increase their confidence because if we are just giving feedback on structure, then students are just like when they know that you're going to be tricky about making everything into a grammar lesson, they know that their writing, if it's always focused just on the grammar, they know that's what we're really looking for if that's what we come back with every time with feedback. But to use that as an opportunity to really give feedback on the content as well. And if it's something that's of interest to students and how they can maybe talk about it in a different way, but not necessarily always going back to the grammar forms. There is a time and place for that, but it's not every time and every place. And if every activity turns into a grammar lesson, that's not going to be motivating for students. So it's one of these situations where we want to pick where we're going to focus on those authentic structures and things like that, but don't do it every time because that's not motivating for students. And then the fourth suggestion would be to use technology to enhance language learning. That could be video chats with other students in other countries, some sort of language exchange situation going on, and provide students with a wider range of authentic opportunities to use the language. And there's so many opportunities with technology, and I always think that if I can't figure it out, they will. Uh, But just to, to leverage that, and as soon as there's some sort of technology involved, that's already compelling output for students. So to just look into different ways of having students use technology not just to play games, but to actually connect culturally and linguistically and through communication with other students their age in other places. And the last suggestion for making the output compelling would be to provide students with opportunities or to give them the opportunity to use language in ways that are authentic to them. It's not always a question of writing the essay, of writing the paragraph, of writing 10 sentences about, which kind of looks like what they would do in other classes, and that's academic writing. When do they actually use language? They use it in text messages when they're writing. They put it in social media posts. There's different ways where they actually do use language and to give them the opportunity to use the target language in those situations as well, rather than always in academic situations. Yes, we do want to do that. I'm not saying do it in lieu of, but it's more a question of giving them opportunities to use the language that's authentic to them in ways that that's authentic to them. So just a way of looking at making it a little more compelling for them. So a recap of the compelling output activities would be to give students opportunities to use the language in authentic situations, authentic topics to them, like role plays and scenarios and mock interviews, so that they see that language has a sense of purpose and they're motivated to use the language in in meaningful ways, rather than always thinking that they're using it to show that they understand a structure. And then the second thing was to give students choice in what they're doing so that it's not always the same topic and everyone's doing the same thing. When there's choice and there's autonomy, that increases their engagement and their interest overall. And then the third way was to provide feedback that's more specific to meaning than the forms of the language and the structure of the language. Yes, there's a place for that. But when you want to focus on the meaning, that you want to keep the meaning there and not always turn it into a grammar lesson. 
And then the fourth suggestion was to use technology to help students to connect with others that are using the target language. They can use the language authentically, but using technology. And then the fifth suggestion was to give students opportunities to use the language in ways that are authentic to them and not always in an academic situation because that's where they're going to ultimately end up using the language if they're going to use the target language somewhere with people who actually are going to communicate with them in the target language. So I hope that these suggestions give you some solid ideas for incorporating not just comprehensible input, but also input that is compelling and of interest to students. And also think about ways of making how students engage with the language compelling as well. So comprehensible, yes, that is key, but we want to make sure that students are interested in the language we're having them try to make sense of, and then also give them interesting ways to use the language that they are acquiring. So I hope you got some ideas to make that happen for you and your students in your classroom. Be sure to check out the show notes where you will see a link to sign up for Talking Points, which is my weekly email newsletter with tips and resources for language teaching. There's also a link to get in touch with me if you'd like to work together, either in person in your school or we can do it remotely. I'm finalizing my summer and fall workshop plans with schools across the U.S. and I would really appreciate the opportunity to work with you and the teachers in your school. So get in touch and we can start the conversation. I will talk to you soon. Bye for now. You've been listening to the World Language Classroom Podcast. Be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you're listening so you don't miss a single episode. Let's continue the conversation on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at WL Classroom. You can also see over 250 blog posts about language teaching at, you guessed it, wlclassroom.com.